Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Poppy Houston of Oxford, Oxfordshire, United Kingdom. Poppy will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Sarah D. Bunting, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. Today we're looking at Criminal Intent, Season 5, Episode 16, Drama Giacosa. She wore prosthetic teeth to leave a bite on Philip to match Laura. She set him up. That's how she's getting him to the altar. Joining me to do that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. I cannot work this way, Kevin. You're only here to support me. I am the real artist. That's <laughs> I am the maestro. And rounding out our panel is our special guest. I think this is the fourth time we've had her on. Fifth time, if you count the the reruns. There's never enough. Uh, <laughs> from The Blotter Presents, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me back. So, uh, Sarah, I know the Criminal Intent fans in our audience are pulling their hair out because we're finally doing a Criminal Intent, and it's one without Gorin. Or Eames. <laughs> or Eames. <laughs> yeah. But look, I am a completist. There's a big chunk of Criminal Intent, as you know, that has... Uh, different detective pairings. Mm-hmm. I mean, for fuck's sake, we did Law and Order with a Nina Cassidy episode. So, yes. you know, just to, we just also to did a London it. one. <laughs> we had, oh, yeah. And a Bernardo. Uh, so, Sarah, like, I know that you love the character Logan. You liked him being brought back to this show. And did you like what you saw? I did. I mean, Criminal Intent was always like, there was always this sense that. Um, they felt like no one was watching except <laughs> me and you guys. So they're just like, well, fuck it. Like, let's let's throw some jazz piano Jeff Goldblum at this shit and see if it sticks. And in my opinion, it did. Um, I also enjoyed Eric Bogosian as the captain when that was a mm. thing. Mm-hmm, but right. uh, yeah, the the Logan return worked for me. And I think this was a smart way for the franchise generally to bring him back into the fold after he had done his penance on the Isle of Staten. Uh, and in that super bad movie. <laughs> Exiled. But he, he did get to take out Profaci. Oh, Profaci. Oh, God. 
I mean, are you have you all covered that? Are you going to cover that? Oh, okay. I think we should. I mean, I just said we're a completist. We yeah. probably have to. I mean, it's part of the canon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you remember, there was a special cameo in that TV movie by yeah. Ice-T. Oh, really? Yeah, before SVU. Yeah, everybody does a essentially a, an audition hmm. as a guest star before they ever make it on as a series regular. Looks like someone got the job he wanted. <laughs> he dressed for the job he wanted. <laughs> so look, almost a full quarter, uh, well, probably more than almost a full third of... Criminal Intent episodes have somebody else mm-hmm. besides Gordon and Eames right. between, as you said, uh, the Logan stuff or the Jeff Goldblum, and I don't even know his character's name was, but, uh, and, and even with a different title sequence going back and forth between D'Onofrio mm-hmm. and, and whoever else it was. Whoever else it was. <laughs> so is it, st- is it really the same show? I don't know, can we just talk for a second about why? Why Why did they do that? Was it because an offer didn't want to work that much? No, Sarah, you probably know this better. Do you want to take it? I actually don't remember. I know that on the Eames side, Catherine Irby, I'm not sure if the timing lines up, but uh, when she was getting divorced from, um, what's his nuts from Oz, Terry Kitty, oh. she <laughs> was looking for an apartment and she was really salty towards him. Who was helping her find an apartment? My husband, the real estate broker. Ah, wow. So you broke up. Your, your husband broke up. Catherine Irby and her husband. <laughs> I mean, let's do a side-by-side with photos. He could have. I. <laughs> Look, during season four, mm. this was a season where D'Onofrio like, passed out on the set like two or three times within a couple of days. He was exhausted. And dehydrated. That, that's a rich person disease. Yeah, exhaustion. Yeah. All right, I had to go away for exhaustion. <laughs> same. So the, Can yeah. I do that? Cool. <laughs> so the following season, they broke up the workload mm-hmm. by bringing on another set of detectives. Because think about it, unlike original recipe Law and Order, those detectives are really only shooting a half an hour, right? Of the, you know, or twenty-two minutes or whatever the hell it is, and these. Two detectives are throughout the entire show. Right. And then after method, right? He's method, yeah, right? Yeah, he's method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's look at the first half of this episode Criminal Intent, Season 5, Episode 16, Drama Giacosa. Ooh. Of course, I got to fucking call it. It's, it's Criminal Intent. They got to come Two up with M's. Two M's. Two M's. The extra M is for murder. <laughs> <laughs> or Mike Logan, whatever you guys want. Look, lots of intrigue at the opera. At rehearsal, conductor Philip Reinhardt storms away from the costume racks, followed by a young violinist, Laura Booth. Booth's mother is famous singer Gillian Booth, who at rehearsal flubs a line and sends Reinhardt into a rage. During, I know, he's such a prima donna himself. <laughs> During intermission, Laura gets lost backstage and crosses paths with someone in the service elevator. Just as Act 2 resumes, we hear the thump of her body falling down the service vent from the roof. So during, um, come on over, she's not going to bite you. During intermission, what do the musicians do? Uh, eat, sleep. We thought maybe Laura got sick and went home. She's got some really bad head wounds here. Stucky. All right, the strings. You know, be careful when you bag her hands. There's something sticky on her fingers, probably from the rosin of her violin strings. Maybe something from the killer stuck to her fingers. She's got dust from the shaft in her mouth and in her nose. She was still alive in there. Detectives Mike Logan and Carolyn Barrick learned the sticky substance on her hands was cocaine. 
seems all the traveling show's costumes were covered in it as part of a scheme to smuggle coke back into the country. Could Laura have picked up the residue from her attacker's clothes? Like the cocaine-sprinkled tuxedo of the maestro? (laughs) Well, we know where else her fingerprints were, all over the sexual harassment section of her union handbook. Reinhardt had promised her first chair, plus he had an on-again, off-again relationship with her mother, Gillian. The singer says Reinhardt comforted her after her daughter's death and tried to remind Gillian that she visited his dressing room during intermission. Mm. Well, he has a harder time explaining the bite mark on his shoulder, which seems to match Laura's dental pattern. Logan and Barrick arrest the murderous maestro. <gasps> All right, first thing I noticed. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what the first oh, thing you noticed uh, yeah. was. Yes. <laughs> Spoiled for choice here. Yeah. <laughs> Logan still has his brown leather coat after all these years. <laughs> Which is honestly the least extraordinary thing that happens in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> like right. by a lot. <laughs> okay, she works at this opera house. How does she get lost backstage? Okay, so many questions. One. Yeah. What the hell kind of opera company is this that has the same singers and the same everything for every single show they do? That's not how it works. I'm yeah. not I'm not wrong about that. It's the menudo of opera. <laughs> <laughs> and second question, is there anything funnier than watching someone who is not a conductor pretending to conduct and someone who is not a violinist pretending to play the violin? <laughs> I think someone who's not a rock drummer pretending to drum. They didn't even drum, like, yeah. give them a cur- cursory lesson in how to hold the thing. She's supposed to be a prodigy. And she looks like, you know, when, when you're like a little kid and you're like... Yeah. <laughs> We're like hey, we don't want Chris Noth passing out either. Come on, we're going to move this along. <laughs> this cocaine scheme... So elaborate and processy. I actually was <laughs> yeah. like, I wish it would take this right turn into the um, d- literally see me underbelly of costumers smuggling things in during what? tours. What you did, Mimi, was you bought a few bricks of Coke in South America and you dissolved them in water and then you dipped the costumes in them. And then when you got back, you soaked the costumes and then you let the water evaporate and bingo cocaine i mean everybody in this opera singers musicians the conductor are traipsing around in costumes covered in 30 pounds of high-grade south american nose can uh, is that why they're playing so fast yeah. like wow i'm really sweaty what <sighs> i love i love the description of um how they do it and it's like you know you just rinse out the costumes let the water dehydrate and bingo cocaine and sweat <laughs> yeah, nothing like sweaty and cocaine. Lint, like I don't. I, I feel like bingo perhaps overstates the ease with which this is accomplished. Like there was all this tubing and a funnel. Yes. Like and water, by the way, takes a very freaking long time to evaporate. It's not like four days later you got your coke. Yeah. Did they have like a bubble over it? Like I've, <laughs> I, I had more questions. About also, that. so many, so many anvils drop in the first like two minutes of this episode, mm-hmm. where it's like uh, green cloak. Where's the green cloak? Will it be dry by then? <laughs> and then also twenty two minutes. If you're not back in twenty two minutes, it's like, hmm, better remember that. I'm gonna put a pin in that. Bet that's gonna be important. Later. <laughs> there will be a commercial, and I can go to the kitchen for more Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> Hey, they have this moment of silence for Laura at the next performance. They come because of me. Without me, this would be meaningless screeching. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We ask you now to observe a minute of silence in memory of a beloved member of our family, violinist Laura Booth, who died tragically this past weekend. But I noticed during the announcement they dance over why she's dead. <laughs> died tragically. <laughs> also backstage. As part of the air conditioning. They announced the moment of silence, and the opera director lady and the and the maestro just start talking immediately. It's like, way to observe the moment of silence for your dead friend, guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rogers is uh, eating popcorn with the ghost of Lenny Briscoe <laughs> in the gallery. <laughs> Poor Rogers. <laughs> Rogers hates Chris Noth so much, huh? The disdain. I, she really does. Would you like to hear my uh, Rogers in real life story? Yeah. Presidential election of uh, 2016. I'm uh, in line waiting to vote. And uh, next to me is someone who really looks like Leslie Hendricks. And I'm trying to be cool because it's New York. Huh. Failing utterly. <laughs> so we're snaking through this high school gym. We vote, we leave together, and then she says victoriously to the sidewalk, I just voted for the first woman president of the United States. Oh. And then she vaped. <laughs> it ended so poorly. <laughs> well, hey, with this, they, there was a, a great bit of fan service. We learned that medical examiner Elizabeth Rogers likes opera, and Logan doesn't. <laughs> La donna mobile, qual più malvento. Jeez, I never thought I'd envy the dead. Thanks for the concert, Rogers. Now tell us what happened to this girl. <laughs> And we learned that she had a surprising date uh, to the opera. By the way, your production of Aida five years ago, one of the best nights of my life. Honey Briscoe took me. Isn't that more of a Fontana move? That does seem like a Fontana move. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, a dame like you, you want to see Aida? We're authorized. (laughs) That was good. Thanks. <laughs> I, I mean, do you know anything about opera, Eric? Because I know like a little bit about opera. I um, really don't. I'm always amazed when they invoke, and, and it's happened a few times in the Law and Order franchise, when they evoke Aida as the performance uh-huh. that they went to or whatever. Aida is like this huge overblown thing with like animals. It's sort of like the joke of the opera world. It's like not actually Rebecca, a serious thing. Every episode they have to explain what Luminol is to, the, to America. <laughs> Hey, let's take a look at the cast, okay? Uh, in the role of Logan's partner, Carolyn Barrick, is Annabella Shiora. We found a musician's union handbook in her bag. It seemed unusual that she'd carry it around, so we had Leighton check it out. Laura's fingerprints were all over the section on sexual harassment. Hand the Rocks, The Cradle, Jungle Fever, The Sopranos. Uh, we learned that she was a victim of Harvey Weinstein, mm. and her testimony at trial was the linchpin to his conviction. So the only question I have in regard to her is, is she a hero or a heroine? Aw, hero. Hero? Yeah. She's hero. a heroine. She's also an actor. Hero. She's a fantastic hero. She's incredible. So Barrick is a former profiler. She was Logan's partner for 12 episodes and then left without further explanation. She's the Goran, right, of the season? She is. She well, knows, yeah, she knows for this half of the season. She yeah. knows things. She knows things. <laughs> <laughs> she knows things about history. She knows things about opera. Yeah. She knows things about uh, bow rosin, although she thinks it goes on the strings. It does not. It goes on the bow. But she does. She seems to know things. It goes on the bow? Yeah, the rosin. goes on the yeah. bow. Oh, all right, so <laughs> that, that makes one of us. Yeah. <laughs> well, she didn't. My one year of violin that led to completely incorrect air guitar fingerings, which my musician brother loves to point out every time. <laughs> <laughs> 
We have a couple of Hey, It's That Guys. Hey, it's that guy. Sarah, can you tell us who the, the maestro in alternate universe Sting is? <laughs> Discount alternate universe Sting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yard yeah. sale Sting. Who's that? That is Julian Sands. I'm trying to create something beautiful and you just stand there banging away. Banging, banging, banging. After all I've done for you, you show me no respect as an artist. Yeah, he's known for the British drama a Room with a View, where every other actor around him became famous. Uh, he's done a lot of horror films, and is most infamously known as Dr. Nick Cavanaugh in Boxing Helena, in which he amputates Sherilyn Finn's arms and legs to keep her a sexual prisoner. Hmm. So fun stuff. <laughs> was he, he was also Brideshead Revisited, yeah? I don't know. Is he British? What the hell kind of accent does he have in this? That's what I want to know. Is he supposed to be German? Is supposed to be like what's going on with the accent? I think it's the like vaguely evil. There's a couple of um, original recipe episodes where the same guy is playing a conductor, and they just sort of hand wave it like, "Oh, he's Belgian," because that's like the <laughs> it's like the newscaster accent of Europe. <laughs> Can't have an American conductor. I don't know what he's going for here, snooty. I guess I don't know what he ever goes for. I, I think they said we need somebody to overact. Yes. Who do we get? Who is the biggest ham sandwich we can hire? <laughs> and they got a they got a whole platter, in my opinion. <laughs> Julian Sands is married to uh, Eugenia Sitkovitz. Who's that? The heiress to the Guinness Beer Fortune. Really? Ooh, yeah. Handy. Good for him. It is. <laughs> <laughs> At one time, Julian Sands was obsessed with Laurence Olivier's tongue. What? There's yeah, a quote. <laughs> if you watch Olivier's interviews, he has this reptilian tongue. It seems too big for his mouth. My pursuit of the... <laughs> oh, <laughs> My no. pursuit of that... I can't say it. <laughs> My pursuit of that became distracting. <laughs> I, so so yeah. I let it go. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> that was really a journey that we all went on with <laughs> Julian and Sir Lawrence's tongue. <laughs> oh my God. Do you have to go to an inpatient clinic for that? I don't know. <laughs> Twelve steps to... Olivier's tongue. <laughs> oh, God. We have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, It's That Girl. You know the name of the actress playing Gillian Booth? The singer? The opera singer? Yes, I do. And I have a, I have a lot of information about this woman, sadly. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Cracks knuckles. Go for it. This is why we have you on the show. I'm not, not actually 100 on the pronunciation of her name, but I believe it is Anne Krieger. Alice. Alice Krieger, sorry. I might have been very vulnerable. But Philip is no cretin. All he did was encourage me to talk about Laura. I was trying to piece together what happened that night. She disappeared. He helped me fill in the blanks. She is best known, I think, to everyone else for playing the Borg Queen in the Star Trek yes. franchise. She's mm. best known to me for her appearance in season three, episode 14 of Beverly Hills 90210, in which she plays this like one episode um trick of Dylan McKay's and oh, she hmm. has like this show jumper horse named Shadowcaster who is supposed to stand in for the corrosive effects of privilege or whatever the hell. They're like making big eyes at each other through the whole episode and she's like, Why don't you stay in my guest house and work Shadowcaster? <laughs> so for me and my um again with this Beverly Hills 90210 co-host Tara Ariano work shadowcaster has now become an enduring euphemism for doing it. <laughs> nice. Um and I would just like to thank Alice Krieger and 
the um the the writer's room of Beverly Hills 90210 for providing that. Well, resistance is futile, so we all have to <laughs> I guess work shadow caster sometime. <laughs> so our murder victim, Laura Booth, who's that? Anyone know? So I should forget the whole thing when I've been lied to the whole time? Marin Ireland. Yeah. Uh, wait, who's that? She I think she ends up in these um it's sort of like processy con shows that only I watch, but she had a big role in Amazon's Sneaky Pete. Yes. Mm. And she was in a show called The Divide, starring basically everyone and produced by Tony Goldwyn about mm. criminal injustice in, I think, Philadelphia. She's a theater person mostly, which would explain why she's A, on a law and order and yeah. that she's only the body that I was like, Oh, it's far in Ireland. And then I was like, how long ago was this, that she has to be the victim. But mm, yeah, Barn yeah. Ireland is awesome. I like her a lot. Yeah. Yeah. She forgot about her uh, role as Sandy in the brief NBC series, the slap in oh. which Zachary <laughs> Quinto Slaps some kid at a picnic. Cold decks that kid. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole show goes from there. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a brat. He had it coming. <laughs> we also see somebody before they were famous. Before they were famous. I'm being generous when I say famous, but certainly somebody America would come to recognize at a very tiny role. Who is playing master flutist and union rep Reggie Banks. Every union in the building's got grievances against Fearsome Phil. He's a rageaholic. Thinks he's the only artist in the building. Uh, that's Ron Cephas Jones. He would later play William Hill on This Is Us, Randall's father who abandoned him, and then they reunite, and then he dies of stomach cancer because there are no fucking happy endings on that show. <laughs> and everyone cried a lot. Yeah. Okay, so who got this assignment? Fingerprint every page in this book. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it have just been easier to say, like, as happened with the our mother's romance novels that we stole as a child, when we put the book down, it just opened to the page with the good stuff? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been an easier device than the idea that somebody fingerprinted every page of a book? My God. <laughs> oh. They hate that major case squad when they show up. <laughs> Fingerprint everything. Bag the hands. <laughs> you know, just... I have a question, yeah. a crime scene question. The guy who found the body. Mm-hmm. Did he put the cover back on the vent after he found the body? Because <laughs> they're taking the vent off and you because see the body in there when the detectives show up. He found her. It made him sick. And But in that scene, you're watching them take the cover of the vent off and expose the body. Did yeah. he find it? And he was just like, nope, nope, nope. Put, back put the cover back <laughs> on. <laughs> or maybe he's like watched enough cop shows that he's like, well, I'm supposed to preserve the crime scene. And he just puts it <laughs> Bring me some chalk. <laughs> That's probably what I would do. That I'd be like, all right, let me just wipe my prints off and then go call 911. Because he asked for makeup, mm. they somehow get probable cause for a body examination. Yeah. He literally works in show business. Yeah. And for some reason, he's covering up something that his clothes also covers up. Bite <laughs> mark on his shoulder. Here, I need makeup. Let me, let me for put this makeup on this thing that nobody can see because I always wear a shirt. Does he conduct in a tube top and that would be necessary to cover it up? <laughs> well, he does say that. You think I need inducements to get what I want? On any night, I can point my baton at any woman in the audience and she's mine. Well, whatever little stick that you pointed at her, 
We think that she swatted it down with the threat of a lawsuit. Barrick's response to that was zero degrees Kelvin. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> that scene where they're interrogating him in his office. Yeah. Not interrogating. Uh, trying to question him and he's just being a douchebag. <laughs> Did anyone else notice? And I know it's a podcast or so our listeners can't see this. All the awkward moments where either Barrick or Logan just walked over to the window and sort of stared out for no reason. I was like, what are they looking for out there? It's like a way to get one of them out of the camera shot, I guess. What was that all about? Explain blocking to us, Sarah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I was obsessed with that corner view and those beautiful old windows, but also knowing that they're drafty as fuck in the wintertime. <laughs> so, yeah. So, honestly, they had to go to a judge yeah. and say he needed, he wanted makeup. Mm. Can we photograph his bare chest? Mm-hmm. And a judge said, yeah, that sounds like there's probably a crime there. <laughs> Maybe there's more evidence that he's a coke fiend. Did he just volunteer to go get the body thing? I mean, didn't we know that they wouldn't see them go to a judge? Yeah, apparently he doesn't even know he's got a bite on him. In the back. <laughs> I have another question. Yeah. 22 minute intermission. And we hear that during those 22 minutes, people are, quote, resting, they're partying, they're eating. 22 minutes is not a very freaking long time. And there's a hell of a long walk from the stage to wherever it is they do those things, as we see, when poor Laura is like stumbling around at locked doors. Why 22 minutes? And are we really supposed to believe that all of these things can be accomplished in a short period of time? And also that the union rep, the late <laughs> William Hill, wouldn't have been like, no, we're, we're sticking on 30. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? We're all going to be eight minutes late. Take it up with the local. We'll see you when we see you. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, let's take a look at the second half of this episode. After signaling an interest in a plea bargain, Reinhardt reasserts his innocence later. Don't you mean after saying, I didn't kill her, I didn't kill her, I didn't kill her, I didn't kill her, I didn't kill her. (laughs) And also saying, and I'm turning this into a ringtone somehow, punks, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, Kevin. (laughs) Gillian dressed like a war widow from 1943, <laughs> is there to support her daughter's killer. I don't think Philip's lawyers would want me talking to you. Well, did he tell you about the evidence that we have against Mr. Reinhardt? The bite on his neck from Laura? I know about it. She bit him when he flirted with her in the wardrobe racks. He told you this? Laura did. The last time she came to my dressing room. And why didn't you tell us that? At the time, it wasn't important. Your part-time boyfriend hits on your daughter? You don't think that's important? Seems Gillian and Reinhardt's stormy relationship includes lawsuits against each other, followed by beautiful vacations. Mm. And about two hours after his arraignment, the couple gets married. Because Logan thinks, quote, the teeth look big, they learned someone <laughs> could have used Laura's recent dental mold to fashion a fake bite mark. They discover dental resin in Gillian's bathroom, 
well, this is exculpatory evidence, and it's very inconvenient to ADA Vance Carter and to Deacons, who promises to hide it in his bottom drawer, <laughs> along with a crumpled up copy of the Constitution. <laughs> so, why does Gillian need to use a highlighter on a subway map to find her way around the city? Well, a patrolman, who's a big opera fan, by the way, one day spotted Gillian lost and confused and sent her to the hospital after a series of HIPAA violations <laughs> and info derived from non-existence bullshit databases. They learn a form of mad cow disease runs in Gillian's family. <laughs> Did she kill her daughter and frame Reinhardt just to get him to take care of her in her, in her final days? Well, they pull the old... Why don't you listen through the mirror while the other interrogation goes on, Trick? It seems Reinhardt thinks that sickness and health stuff is bullshit, mm. and he doesn't want to wipe her ass. <laughs> A tearful Gillian admits to everything and wants to know who will take care of her before she dies. Well, it's the taxpayers, of course. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. As a New York State resident, I am on strike. <laughs> Drama Giacosa means tragedy with jokes. You looked that up, didn't uh, you? Yeah, let's, here's something I, I thought I'd never hear, though. I still think the teeth looked a little big. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course they do on the photograph. There's no banana for scale. <laughs> so, channeling her inner Gorin, Beric determines that because Gillian would highlight the root home to her daughter's house. That she's scared. Mm, terrified. Couldn't that be mm. Laura's map? I mean, she could, did get lost at intermission. <laughs> she could very well get lost going home. Oh, do you think that was like a, a hint that, well, Laura's dad, so I guess it doesn't matter that Laura's going to have the same terrible disease as her mother? And, and she, that's why she got lost backstage. <laughs> Everybody's wondering. got bad cow disease. Mm, mm. And why were there so many copies of the subway map? Because she's forgetful. How did she remember that pink was one way and yellow was the other way each time? I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, why is a patrolman a big opera fan? Why is yeah. everybody a big opera fan? Don't that be doesn't... like that's stereotyping. Why? Why wouldn't he be a big opera? Because he's in Queens. What are you trying to? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of queens in the opera. It's true. Oh, okay. Including yeah. a board queen. Including uh -huh. <laughs> a board queen. <laughs> oh, Everyone who God. picks Carver as their favorite prosecutor, does so because they say he's not into prosecutorial misconduct. No? He doesn't fool around with the law. No? He's the dirtiest motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Dental resident, no. Reinhardt is still the most viable suspect, and that bite is the most damning piece of evidence. I don't know what to do with this, and I don't want it falling in the wrong hands. I'll put it in my bottom drawer, counselor. You want it, you let me know. I don't relish the day. <laughs> I don't care about Brady versus Maryland. I don't want you finding evidence that the defendant is innocent. I don't want this it's getting into my the, case. I don't want this getting into the wrong hands. <laughs> oh, you mean the hands of the defendant that it could, you know, uh, get out? <laughs> I got to arrest somebody. He, he's so disgusted with them too. Like, do I have to explain to you that we're trying to lock people up, regardless of what the evidence actually suggests? <laughs> <laughs> What, are you mad at us? Yes. We're doing our of, jobs? Uh, the future Johnny Cochran on American Crime <laughs> Story. Yes. I, I mean, I don't hate it. Dental resin and makeup are the are the evidence that they're going with. So here's my they question. They didn't find that in a bank. Right. They found it backstage here's, at the opera house. But here's my question, right? Yeah. So they find this dental resin in Gillian's sink, and yeah. they say it's something that makeup artists use to make costuming teeth. Yeah. Isn't Gillian 
the star in a production in which she wears makeup and ostensibly maybe sometimes fake teeth? Yeah, it's not unusual. <laughs> Even they're saying it. They literally have it in the room next door. <laughs> yeah. They never found the fake teeth. It also just seems like such a long way to go, like going around the block to get to the house next door. Like, if you think? All you wanted was to marry the guy. Like, there are way shorter cons that don't involve killing your kid. Throwing them down an air shaft. Yeah. That's right. Like, I guess mad cow doesn't affect your upper body strength. This is, I mean... <laughs> Barrett really lays it on thick about how bad the end-of-life care is going to be. Yeah. That's what the next three years of your marriage look like. You'll have to feed her, bathe her, and attend to her most personal hygiene. My God, what have I got myself into? Philip, calm down. Calm down. Have you read this? She'll have spasms every day. Then there's the infections and bed sores. Stop, stop. I can't handle it. Philip, there are nurses, hospices. Hospices won't take her until the very end. Until then, she'll be your 24-7 responsibility. All the sounds and smells of her disintegration. This incendiary. She really focusing on the amount of wiping he's going to have to do. Jesus. Take care of her most intimate hygiene. <laughs> you can have to scrub between the folds. <laughs> oh, too far, LaVoy. Too far. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to spray it from a distance. <laughs> they also, like, the, the idea that, like, the first thing that she'd say is, like, no, she's not going to be allowed to go to hospice up until the very end. I'm like, what? I've seen this guy's apartment. I'm pretty sure he can afford a nurse if he wanted to. Yeah. Just saying. A couple. Yeah. oh also uh another quick question about the maestro yeah does anybody ever go to a performance ever to see the conductor (laughs) is that a patrolman from queens (laughs) medical examiners yes they're only civil servants they're only here to see me i don't know if you noticed maestro but during the performance you're down in a little pit and nobody can actually see you So when Gillian confronts Reinhardt and incriminates herself, it's Logan who is literally putting words in her mouth. <laughs> no, Phil, don't say that. No, please. Talk to him. Talk. Philip. Stay Philip. away from me, you murderer. Philip, no. Tell me you did it for him. I did it for you. She was going to destroy you and you fired. Your own daughter, that's how much you loved her. My own daughter. I killed her for you. My savior. My seal. Tell him you did it for him. I killed my own daughter. Can tell it. Logan. I'm just saying, if she weren't dead already, she would have a great case for appeal. That's true. Mm. Also, Logan is very good at putting words in everybody's mouths. Did you get see how he got that doctor to just like completely violate (laughs) doctor patient confidentiality in like 15 seconds? Yeah. Yeah. Another piece of evidence that you can't use. (laughs) Let's say, for instance, my poor, sweet mother comes in with symptoms like Mrs. Booth's. What would you say? Stroke? Maybe she mixed up her meds? Your poor, sweet mother? Yeah. I would have ruled out a stroke. My next guess would be a form of dementia. But if your poor, sweet mother is anything like Miss Booth... She'd refuse a full exam. I'm like, oh, we're talking about your poor sweet mother. Wink, wink. (laughs) Really? Because two seconds ago, she was not having it or him. Mm. And then she looked up and saw him. Mm. And that was the end of it. Shit, it's Mr. Big. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a baton. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I'm just going to say, she's an opera singer. I thought she could cry louder. (laughs) Oh, God. You mean at the end? At the end. You mean at the end when he calls her? She could project more, I thought. Look at you. 
Mad cow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, mad cow. Remember when that was the thing we really feared, public health wise? Yeah, mad cow disease. It seems so cute now. It seems so cute. Give me a raw hamburger. I'll take it any day. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. What? Yeah, of course. Haven't you been on the show before? <laughs> yeah, but it can't be a real-life story that inspired this episode. Oh, yeah? It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode is inspired by the case known as the Murder at the Met. During a performance in 1980 at the Metropolitan Opera House, violinist Helen Hagnes left the orchestra at intermission, but never returned. The naked and bound body of the 30-year-old was discovered in a ventilation shaft the next day. The tabloids went bonkers over the story of such a brutal crime at such a posh institution like the Met. They dubbed the killer the Phantom of the Opera. How fucking original. Detectives asked 800 Opera House employees whether they saw anything dodgy during the performance. Investigators homed in on a 21-year-old stagehand named Craig Crimmins. He told police he'd been drinking and smoking pot when he crossed paths with Hagnes backstage. When he made a pass at her, she slapped his face. In a fit of anger, he threatened her with a hammer and forced her up the stairs to the roof. Though she was tied up, the musician fought back. Crimmins kicked her into the shaft where she plummeted six stories. Hagnes died just feet away from the 10,000 unsuspecting opera patrons. Craig Crimmins was convicted in 1981 and is currently serving a 20-to-life sentence. Okay, so, yeah, the, the of course the uh, New York press handled it with their usual... Subtlety? <laughs> Subtlety. Delicacy. <laughs> Respect for the victim. Yes. Murder yeah. at the Met. <laughs> yeah, so the, the details are a little weird. Yeah, but this, they track very closely with this episode. They do. Which is so weird. Let's talk about the real crime, though, okay? Hagnes was backstage looking for a ballet performer, a visiting ballet performer, to discuss some artistic opportunities for her husband. By the way, shout out to... Women who get their husbands' jobs in entertainment. Mm, uh, you're she, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> she and Crimmins met in an elevator. Now, he says at first he forced her down five flights of stairs to a sub-basement, forced her to undress in a failed attempt to rape her, uh, made her get dressed and marched her up six flights of stairs to the roof. <sighs> up there, he says he tied her up and was going to leave her, but her legs got free and she ran. So he caught her and he retied her threw her pocketbook and closed down the shaft. And again, he was walking away 
when she started to struggle free of the ropes, and that's when he kicked her and she fell down this shaft. I don't believe those details. Neither do I. I don't either. It just seems like he's trying to say, well, if she had been a better kidnapping victim, she'd yes, be alive. Yes, she'd been right? a better It also sounds like one of those um, BS uh, theory of the crime timelines that explains a bunch of random evidence the police found, and the only way to get them to like piece it all together was to make him tell a crazy story about how it happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's his videotaped confession. Like, how yeah. did we find blood all the way down there and also that's, all the way up here? Yeah, like, that's a lot. <laughs> what, is he trying to get his 10,000 steps in? Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, the, yeah. oh, well, let's go back up the step. Fuck off. He, <laughs> I think he did admit that um, he, like, if she hadn't slapped him, it wouldn't have gone the way it did. But it's like. Yeah. Th- she also need him in the balls. Good for her. Yeah. I would have, too. Yeah. Same. <laughs> too, yeah. Crimmins actually has been the subject of many reform-focused news articles. Really? 40 years behind bars already. He's been a model inmate and has been turned down for parole every two years. And experts cite the problem with parole boards dealing with uh, criminals in high-profile cases. That the thought is if you let him out and he does something, the governor's not going to reappoint you to this $100,000 a year job Mm. where you work three days a week and get a car. Mm. Mm. I can see that. Yeah. However, he did also kick a woman down a, a shaft. So, right. and she died. But if you're if you're if you're determining his eligibility for parole, yes. Do you retry the case? No. Or do you figure out whether or not he's reformed, uh, reformed, and can, can be returned to society? That's the question. Well, Anybody well, want to solve the justice system's <laughs> problems? <laughs> So I said to the guy, I said, don't let anyone slap you and stay away from the opera house. (laughs) I mean, Jesus, like, I don't know. I'm no expert, but it does seem like the odds of reoffending in this particular way are fairly low. And perhaps we ought to focus on things like integrating parolees back into society in a productive way. Perhaps. Yeah. Look, investigators discovered in their search of the Met, and this was in the newspapers, the newspapers loved this, Hmm. they discovered that there were various semen stains from multiple donors on the curtain. Right. So I guess it wasn't just Mozart who had a magic flute. I'm not surprised by that at all. No, me neither. Who fucks up against the curtain? You'll fall through. No, they're using it to wipe. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck me. Yeah, don't ask Reinhardt to do it. <laughs> and that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our special guest, four time appearances, Sarah D. Bunting. You get a jacket next time. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Is it soaked in cocaine? Otherwise, I'm not interested. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a green cloak. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, I would love it if they would listen to my true crime review podcast, The Blotter Presents, and you can follow that on Twitter at Blotter Presents. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? I would love it if they would listen to my true crime review podcast. They should. On. Do both. <laughs> or you can, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Reb Lavoie. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com 
and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.